Hey, I'm Andy Chanley from 88.5 FM. This is one of our Here at Home series of teleconference interviews. And I'm joined today by Jen Wozner of Flock of Dimes and Y Oak. Howdy, Jen. Hi there. How's it going? It's uh, going great. Too, uh, too good to complain. Uh, the new album is called Head of Roses. It's out now on Sub Pop Records. And you've been hearing the single two every day for months now on 88.5 FM. Uh, first things first. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. That's so, so kind of birthday. you. As we're taping this, it was just a, a week or so ago. Did you do anything fun? Yeah, actually, I had assembled a band to, to film some live streams that have yet to be announced. So I might be blowing up my own spot. But, um, but, I, but I was able to spend the week playing music with people, which is something that I really, really miss and don't get to do very much. And then we wrapped the, the night before my birthday, and then we had a pizza party, and it was really fun. So... I got to hang out with actual human beings and play music. It was all I could have possibly hoped and dreamed for. That's fantastic. That's the best way possible, doing something that makes you happy. Yeah, I was very, very grateful for that. So uh, you're basically alluding to the fact that uh, uh, during the the pandemic, there's a limit to what we can do uh, to to have fun. Um, You recorded most of this album uh, in the first month or two of the pandemic, a a year ago, right? I did, yeah. It's actually... It's pretty strange. Uh, many of the songs in this record had yet to be written this time last year. So it's less, they're yet less than a year old, which is wild to, I mean, that's very atypical for the, the typical, you know, the, uh, the time frame that it usually takes to get songs out into the world and in record form. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty quick process start to finish for sure. It's interesting though that, I mean, we're talking about a month ago as all of this was new to now. Um, and in, in the songs, it feels like you're dealing with some, at least it sounds to me like you're dealing with some, some pretty personal issues, even if it's not you know, quite evident you know, what they are. Um, and if that is true, my question to you is this, do you feel that these songs are less relevant a year removed or even more relevant in, in some odd way? How has it worked out for you? You know, I would say they're they're relevant in a different way because, and I'm glad that you asked because I've been thinking about it a lot and I've been thinking a lot about the framework of songwriting and how, um, you know, it starts out as a process or like a framework for self-exploration or, or growth, personal growth. So it, this time last year, my experience with these songs, it was very self-centered. It was very me and my pain and my trauma um, and trying to make sense of that and heal from that and... Um, and it was a, in many ways, uh, a successful process in that, like, I find the act of creating things to be an incredibly healing one. And I learn a lot about myself through, um, combining, you know, intuition with the sort of like higher brain and like, um, and so it was, um, but it was very much about like me and, and as the year has unfolded and as, my relationship to these songs has changed. I've sort of been able to zoom out a little bit and understand that like we as human beings are a microcosm of the world at large, I think. And so um, what we learn about ourselves uh, also applies in a broader form to uh, others or even to society as a whole. And so as I'm learning about myself healing my own pain and trauma and how difficult it can be to just sort of stop and slow down and sit with these like painful, uncomfortable truths. 
um, you know, the, the truth that like, it's impossible to be in relationship with others without causing pain to others, you know? So it wasn't just about, oh, someone hurt me and I'm sad. It was like, someone hurt me and I'm sad, but also I know I've done that to another person. And I have to sit with the discomfort of that and acknowledge it um, in order to really like address the situation honestly. And I think that learning what that feels like to really like sit with that discomfort and heal it. And like, even when it doesn't feel good, even when there's, there's shame and guilt involved, it sort of helps to go through the same thing when you're dealing with things on a, on a broader scale. So like now I'm sort of thinking about um, the collective and so, and contending with my role in broader systems of harm, for example, like having to sit with the painful truth that like, that like climate change is real and it's something that we might have to, we're going to have to change the way we live in the world and that it affects people disproportionately based on class and privilege and race or that systemic racism is real and that although, you know, I abhor it, I also benefit from it as a white person. So like those things, those truths are like inherently like your, your body, like your nervous system, like reacts. Um, and you have to slow down to be able to sort of like channel that discomfort into something like acceptance and to be able to like act from your highest self. And so I think that like making this record for me um, in learning to do that on a personal level has helped me to become better about learning to do that on a broader level. And that's a really long answer to your very first question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's a good answer. Thank uh, you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, um, yeah, love's messy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're messy. We as human beings. I mean, and it's like, we're, we're a mess. We're, we're all just trying our best out here. You know, it's like forgiveness and compassion is key, but we are a bunch of hot messes to be sure. Uh, thinking about some of the songs on the album, like, um, uh, price is blue, a uh, price of blue, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Uh, second song on the record. Mm -hmm. It's, it's these lovely harmonized melodies that are punctuated by this caustic electric, uh, you know, strident electric uh, guitar uh, feedback. And, uh, and you kind of hear that again uh, later in, in the album on uh, Hard Way as well. Um, if that's true, I guess here's my question. Do you find these songs, uh, um, uh, you know, to me, it seems like there's that humanity in it, um, that, that uh, dichotomy of uh, being able to, to feel two different ways at one time. Mm -hmm. um, and is that, uh, it came up a couple of times in this record. I'm wondering if that's a, a texture that appeals to you and, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, something that, that you've uh, kind of a, a tone for the record that you've embraced. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's duality in all its forms is, is sort of like the most, uh, or just non-binary thinking is, is, is one of the most authentic ways that I think music and sound and art could be received. My mom often jokes with me. She's just like, when are you going to write a happy song? And I'm like, <laughs> well, they're all happy and they're all sad because human beings don't feel one emotion at a time. You know, it's like, I, I don't, I think that's sort of a one dimensional way of looking at art making. And so I think that like the truth of a song or an emotional experience for me is that it's, it's multifaceted and there's, there's a lot going on in there. And so, you know, with Price of Blue or with Hardway, there, there are these like beautiful, pristine, like pretty elements. And, you know, there's, there is this sort of like, 
Well, people don't feel one emotion at a time, you know, and um, that's not really like the most authentic way I think of representing a human experience because it's all happening in there all at once. And so I do think intuitively speaking, I am drawn to um, creating worlds that are more representative of what it feels like to inhabit that that complex emotional space. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of beautiful elements to this record, but there's also a lot of super intense, dissonant, caustic electric guitar because nothing really, um, nothing really sounds like anger quite like, you know, an electric guitar. I feel like you can conjure certain things with a guitar that you can't get with almost anything else. And so um, it has its place in, in the grand scheme of things. Neil Young made a whole album oh. just... I a whole yeah. career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Weld, I guess, was what the name of that was. Mm. Um, so let's see. Six albums. Uh, we're talking to Jen Wozner here. Uh, come back after the break. <laughs> uh, six albums as Y Oak. Uh, three releases now as uh, Flock of Dimes. Uh, one is uh, was uh, Dungeness um, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Y Oak, is, is it an ongoing concern or... or, or you, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but it is an active project. Okay, sure. it's it's it, good, 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 good. Yeah. Um, so let me ask this question then: How do you decide what material is more appropriate for um, Y Oak versus what's more appropriate for for a solo release? I'll say this: I'll say Flock of Dimes uh, seems like a place where uh, synthesizers, for example, uh, uh, might be you know more at home. But but what, what's how does it you know frame up in your mind? I mean, I think that was sort of like what a lot of people jumped to at first to try and be like, well, this is this and this and that. But like, honestly, I think that sonically speaking, at least at this moment, if you if you AB the two projects, they're not entirely dissimilar. Um, I have a lot of the same tendencies. Um, I think it's sort of more of an emotional and intuitive choice um, as far as like what goes where. The, the important thing for me is that I have discovered that I write a lot of stuff and that cycle of creation doesn't really feel complete uh, until I've shared it with others. And it can be a little frustrating for me. I'm very impatient. And so um, it can be a little frustrating for me to have to wait. You know, if you put out a record as a one in one project, they don't generally like to see you put out another record six months later. But, <laughs> but if I invent two different bands, I can kind of, you know, it's like a loophole. It's yeah. a cool, it's a cool, it's a cool loophole to be able to do more stuff. You found a way to game the system. Good exactly. On you. Exactly. Yeah. Tell me about your first instrument. Well, my first instrument was obviously my voice as most people's, you know, often are. I did a lot of singing um, with my mom and with my close family members socially, you know, like we would get together and we would sing songs together and harmonize together. But later on when I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old, I started taking piano lessons. Um, and I loved playing the piano, but I, I hated practicing. Um, and it wasn't until, um, I started playing guitar that I started writing songs and that came probably around like 12 or 13. Um, I think the guitar is sort of like a, because it's a more malleable instrument, um, you know, you can change the tuning and you can kind of change the way it sounds. And um, it spoke to me a little bit more, like it felt a little bit more personal to me maybe. And that was how I kind of made that leap into, oh, I can, 
I can write songs. I can, I don't just have to play other people's songs. Um, but I'm really happy that I have the foundation that I do with piano because it is in many ways, um, such an important good framework for understanding the way music works. Uh, I saw something neat that you did. Um, there's a, uh, it was, uh, on your Wikipedia page actually is where I, I learned about it. And if it's on there, you know, it's true. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> I haven't looked at it, so I can't say, uh, there's a, a picture on there of, of you, uh, performing at the, uh, the Baltimore, uh, international airport in the baggage claim area. And I'm thinking as I saw that picture, oh my gosh. What a difficult place to assemble an audience, because by definition, this is a place for, uh, you know, people that have a they got places to be. You know, they've mm -hmm. got family that's meeting them there. They've got, uh, you know, work to get to and so forth. Uh, in, incredibly difficult to do that. But also uh, what an interesting you know, happening, what an interesting uh, situation to put those two things together, a performing artist and, uh, and, you know, commerce and travel all in one space. What was that like to, to you? Um, it's funny cause people ask me about this a lot and it's really weird to me. Like I like, I did, I did do it. It did happen. So there's a radio station in Baltimore that had this idea of having this concert series in the airport and excuse me. And so, um, you know, I was game to give it a try. Um, and I think that I learned a lot from it. I wouldn't say that the experience itself was entirely pleasant because you're right that it is a really hard place. Like I, I think in general, when I play shows, I tend to play for audiences that, that are there to see me and they know what they're there for. Whereas in that space, it's sort of just like, you know, most people that encounter you are just like, why is she here? Right. And so it's, um, it was interesting in a way of like, learning how to lean into myself and learning how to sort of lean into my natural ability to perform and entertain, even when this, the deck is stacked against me. Um, but um, there were some really nice moments of connection and then there were some really awful moments, you know? And so for that, it was, it was definitely like an interesting social experiment, but it's not something I'm necessarily like dying to get back. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was terribly interesting, the, the, yeah. the setup. That said, uh, I think most musicians, if you ask in the last year, they would have played a, a, yeah. a sewage treatment plan. If they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see the irony now of just being like, oh, yeah, I guess I would I would take that show now. <laughs> right. Speaking of that, what are the plans for 2021? Uh, what, you know, when when will we see you, uh, you know, playing uh, you in know. some limited capacity? I really hope I get to play some shows. I really do. Um, it's, it's still unfolding. It's, I think, I think it will happen, but I think everyone's trying to be cautious about uh, when and how, because no, it's, it's, no one really knows what's going on. So um, I'm, I'm really hopeful that I'll get to play some shows with my amazing band, but, um, but it's just remains to be seen where and when those will be. I hope to be able to make some announcements about that. Like I said, I will have, I, I did get to shoot some really beautiful, beautiful um, live stream performances that I can share in the meantime, but I'm really excited to share with folks. But, um, but yeah, I, otherwise I don't, it's just, it's, I've had to learn how to be patient. Uh, it's, it's, open, yeah. it's gradual. It's day by day. Each, day, each, by day. each week that goes by, it's like, oh, we're doing that again, are we? Yeah, okay. but I have yeah. hope. I have hope and I am excited about that. And it feels, it feels, I feel like a good feeling about it moving forward. Good. Well, uh, last question. Um, 
And uh, and I, I didn't completely stalk you on the internet, so uh, maybe you that's okay. Uh, elsewhere, uh, add uh, infinitum. But uh, I wonder if you tell me uh, the name flock of dimes. In my mind, I go to like those names for groups of animals, like murder of crows and, and convocation of eagles. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Where where, uh, where did uh, the the name come from? It initially started where I just I just sort of liked the sound of it, but now I've come to think of it as. Um, you know, in some ways, a life as a creative person is a life of assembling a large quantity of relatively meaningless uh, objects. Um, and so in some ways, yeah, a collection of a lot of diff- of relatively useless things. <laughs> that come together to, to form to create, a, a, create a, a body of work, hopefully, ideally. Um, that wasn't the thought that I had in mind. It was just words that I liked together. It sounded good together to me. Um, but I like that meaning of it after the fact now. Do you do that a lot? Do you, uh, do you see turns of phrase or hear things and say, uh, and latch onto that? And, and I mean, that's a, a, you know, um, a lot of people do that in a lot of different, uh, performance disciplines. George Carlin used to mm-hmm. you know, be a master of, of taking, it's like, that sounds odd and I'm going to, you know, make a complete presentation out of it. Do you latch on to little things that you see in the, in the TV guide that end up constantly, constantly and obsessively. Yes. I have a running journal that never ends. So all those, all those unfinished songs that are memos in your iPhone. Oh yeah. So (laughs) many, so many, gosh, it's endless. It's truly endless. Well, it's a pleasure to get to know you a little bit. Uh, Jen Wozner, once again, the album, go out and buy it. It's available now on Sub Pop Records. It's called Head of Roses. There's another term that I've never heard anywhere else. There you go. It's, well, I love those combinations, unexpected combinations of words. We'll save that explanation for uh, for installment two. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of two, that's the name of the single that you can hear on 88.5 FM uh, and hope to hear more. Uh, Jen, when you get out to L.A., come visit us in person. I'd love to. I really hope that it's sooner rather than later. And thanks so much for playing my song. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And good to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you too. Have a great day.